So today, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, and I guess you've kind of picked up on that. And I want to talk to you today about a particular aspect of His ministry. We've, this is the fourth week we've talked about the Holy Spirit. But I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit as He is manifested as the Helper. Jesus called Him the Helper. So we're going to read some verses, and if you don't have your Bible with you, we'll put it on the screen. But if you do, it's John 14, 15 through 18. And um, let's read what Jesus himself told us about the Holy Spirit. And he talked a lot about the Holy Ghost. Here's what he said. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another what? Now notice what he's calling the Holy Spirit, the helper. That he may abide with you for how long? Forever. And what kind of spirit is he? The spirit of truth. And it tell, then he went on to tell us why the world can't receive him. The world cannot receive him because it doesn't see him nor know him. But you, believers in Jesus, know him. For he dwells with you. Now he's talking to the disciples now post-crucifixion or pre-crucifixion and resurrection. So he hasn't risen from the dead yet. So he says he, he is abiding with you but he will be in you when I rise from the dead and Pentecost happens. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I'm not going to leave you to fight the devil, the world, and the flesh alone. I'm going to come to you. Now, John, let's read the last, next two verses. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will do what? He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance everything I said to you. So we have abiding with us a helper, a teacher, who is living within us. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Father, we just thank you right now for the Holy Spirit of the living God and how we need him more than we've ever needed him before. Lord, we need his strength. We need his help. And I'm asking you, anoint me as I communicate this word. And I pray that you will anoint the people with ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Now, church, will you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to me today. I receive the Spirit of God in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you're about to be blessed. You're about to be blessed. Amen. We've all heard somebody say, and I sure said it, good help is hard to find. Amen. Good help is hard to find. But it's even harder to find when it comes to living life in this demon-infested, sin-infected world. We need the helper more than ever before. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen? We really need him. Evangelist D.L. Moody said, you might as well try to hear without ears or breathe without lungs as try to live a Christian life without the Spirit of God in your heart. And I totally agree with that. We breathe in air. But our spiritual oxygen is the Holy Spirit. We breathe in the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed on the disciples and he said, 
receive the Holy Spirit. And they breathed him in. He is our spiritual heir. The story is told of a certain guide. I love this story, who lived in the Arabian desert. And this guide was known for never losing his way because he carried with him a homing pigeon with a very fine cord attached to one of the pigeon's legs. And when he was in doubt about which way to go to get home, he would take this homing pigeon and throw him up in the air, and that homing pigeon would immediately turn and lead him, tug on that string where he was led in the direction of home. The pigeon strained at the cord to fly in the direction that he really wanted to go. And so the guide always accurately found his way. And because of this unique practice, this man was known as the dove man. The dove man. Now let me tell you something, that's a picture of the Holy Spirit. If you want to call me the dove man, that's all right, because I'm a dove man. When the Holy Spirit tugs, when he gives me a direction, when he nudges me, when he speaks to me, I go where he leads, and he always leads me home. He always does. He's our helper, and that helper lives inside of you. And he is more faithful and more accurate than any homing pigeon because he is perfect, never makes a mistake. So we might be called the dove people, and I'll take that. If you want to call our church a church full of dove people, how many of you can say, I'll own that? I'll own that because we really are people of the Holy Spirit. God has given his Holy Spirit to those who love him. Now, in our last few times together, we, we've seen that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not just a feeling. He's not a force, impersonally speaking. He's not goosebumps. The Holy Spirit is a person. He has a mind. He has an intellect. He has a will. He has feelings. We can grieve him. We can make him rejoice. He can be grieved, heavy about something, and you feel it. Or he can rejoice, and you feel it. The Bible talks about the joy of the Holy Ghost, the grieving of the Holy Ghost, the guidance of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost having a mind. He's the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. He thinks, he strategizes, he leads, he teaches. He's a person. And even though he comes like a mighty, mighty rushing wind, that doesn't mean he's some impersonal thing that, that we can't know. Paul said, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. The koinonia of the Holy Spirit be with you. So, you can't fellowship with a, with a non-entity. You can't fellowship with a non-personality. You can only fellowship with a person. And he said the fellowship, the koinonia, the, the relationship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Jesus called him a he. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. And we saw last time, that we're called to be continually filled with the Spirit. You can't have a one-time filling and live life with it. We even know to, we, we know to fill up our car with gas, right? Or we're going to be on the side of the road. We know that much, but a lot of Christians don't know you've got to be filled and refilled and continuously filled and then filled again with the Holy Spirit. We're to be baptized afresh and anew in the Holy Spirit. We're to walk with Him every day. We're to have our tank filled every day with the Holy Spirit. How in the world are you going to make it in life without it? 
Again, I'm going to quote D.L. Moody. Somebody asked him one time why he urged Christians to be filled constantly with the Holy Spirit, which is one of his soapboxes. If you read D.L. Moody, he was always saying, be filled with the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit again. So they asked him, why are you always saying this? And he said, well, I need a continual filling because I leak. I leak. He pointed over to a water tank and, uh, that had sprung a leak, and he said, I'm just like that water tank. I, I leak. I need to be filled again because I leak. It's a fact that living in this sinful world, living in all the battle, all the warfare, all that is coming against the church, we leak. Do you know when I need to be filled again the most after Sunday morning? When I go home, I'm so depleted because you know what I do? I get up here and I leak. I leak out the anointing. I leak out the spirit. I, I leak it out. And, and so I can, I'm aware of being depleted when I get home, so depleted that I go into the place of prayer and I say, Lord, fill me again because it's all poured out when I minister to you. And it's getting worse with the first service. Because the first service is pulling it all out of me. So I have to go back here in, the, in my office and say, Lord, forget waiting till I get home. Do it again now. Because it's all out. I need to be filled and refilled. Amen? And you leak too. You go to that job where there's all kinds of godless people and where Jesus isn't honored and you feel the pressure and you feel the stress and you're around godless people all day long and the dirty jokes and the filthy language and, and you need to go home because you leaked all day. And you need to say, Lord, fill me again and again and again because whatever is filling you, whatever spirit is filling you is what's going to guide and control your life and dictate your actions and your thoughts. If a person is filled with anger, that's a spirit. Anger controls their life. They're angry all the time. They live, they're driven by anger. We're living in an angry nation. Our nation is not filled with the Holy Spirit by and large. It's filled right now with anger and division. If a person is filled with greed, greed is going to drive them, drive their thoughts, drive what's in their heart, drive where their feet walk. If a person is filled with lust, Lust is going to fill their minds and fill their hearts, and they're going to be lust-driven. But if a person is filled with love, love is going to influence everything they do. But even better, if a person is filled with, really filled with the Holy Spirit, which is God's will for us, then we are controlled by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. We're going to think like Jesus, walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, be like Jesus, act like Jesus. If we're filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Bible says to every believer, be being continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, during Old Testament times, it wasn't this way. Not everybody had access to the Holy Spirit like we do. Only a few men and women had the anointing presence of the Holy Spirit, and that only for a special purpose. For instance, it says every time preceding Samson doing some mighty feat of strength, the Bible says the Spirit of God came upon him. The Spirit of God came upon him, and he went and did his feats of strength. He did supernatural things with the Spirit of God, but the Spirit of God wasn't on any other man in his time in that way. It was only Samson. The Spirit of God came upon Moses in the mountain on such a level that his face glowed in the dark, his face 
shone with the Shekinah of God to the level they had to cover up his face because the people couldn't look at him. So strong was the glory of God, but, but it wasn't on any other man like that on the face of the earth. It was only Moses. It was a particular, special dispensation. We know that the Holy Spirit moved upon the prophets to write the Bible. The Bible says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God, listen to this, spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Haggai, Zechariah, Zephaniah, Malachi, all those prophets, the Spirit of God particularly came upon them, and they wrote as they were moved, carried along, borne along by the Holy Ghost. But he wasn't on anybody else in the world like that in that day. But when the New Testament came, it all changed. What Moses experienced and Samson experienced and those old prophets experienced, the presence of God became available to everyone on the day of Pentecost, the church's birthday. And he poured out his spirit on all flesh. So now, living in you is that spirit, the same Holy Spirit, the mighty Holy Spirit that, that was brooding over the great void before God created the worlds. That same spirit now lives in you, was here as we worship, filled this place as we lifted up his name. He inhabits the praise of his people. Amen. 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 Have you ever wished Jesus was there just to talk to you in person? How many of you just wish that you could just say, oh man, Jesus, if I could have five minutes with you, just if you could just come and sit here and talk to me. He can. And he does. Listen carefully to me. I will pray the Father, said Jesus, and he will give you another. That's a key word, another comforter. Well, if there's another, then there's something before that. Another means something is there, but something else is coming. He's saying, I've been with you. I've walked next to you, walked right beside you. I've taught you, led you, strengthened you, guided you, held you up, encouraged you. And he said, now, I'm going to go away, and it's to your advantage that I go away because I'm going to send you another just like me. And he's going to be, it's, it's parakletos is the Greek word, another, the comforter, another. Parakletos means one who comes and stands right alongside you, right alongside you. I'm going to send you another who's going to do just what I did. He's going to stand beside you. He's going to teach you. He's going to encourage you. He's never going to leave you. He will not divorce you. He will not walk out. He will not betray you. He will not turn on you. Another comforter. Another comforter. Just like me. And I'm calling him your helper. Now, what did Jesus mean when he said, helper? How does he help us? I got to read what one commentator wrote. This just blew me away. I only wish I'd written it. But here's what he said. He is one who will be by our side. Talking about the Holy Ghost. He is one who will be by our side to be our strength in all weakness, our peace in all trouble, our wisdom in all darkness, our guide in every perplexity, our comforter and cherisher, our righteousness when sin is strong, the victor over our temptations, and the companion and sweetener of our solitude. But he goes on. He comes as the fire 
which melts, which warms, which cleanses, which quickens. He comes as the rushing mighty wind, bearing health upon his wings, sometimes breathing softly as an infant's breath and sometimes sweeping with irresistible power. He comes as the oil, gently flowing, lubricating, making every joint supple, nourishing, and strong. He comes as the water of life, refreshing, vitalizing, quickening all growth. He comes fluttering down as the dove of God, the bird of peace that will brood upon our hearts. He is the comforter and the advocate. He's the spirit of holiness, the spirit of truth, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of power, the spirit of love. He is the spirit of a sound mind, the spirit of sonship, and the spirit of prayer. And says Jesus, This strengthener and advocate is to replace him and his work. And Jesus promised his presence will be a permanent companion. He will abide with you forever. Can we give the Lord a hand for the Holy Ghost of God? Amen. How many of you are thankful for the Holy Spirit right now? He's going to change some of you today. Some of you are going to be touched by the Holy Spirit. He's going to change your heart, change your motivations. He's going to set some of you free. Some shackles are going to break. Some chains are going to snap. He's going to set you free. Others of you, you're just going to hear that still small voice in your heart. He's going to encourage you. I've already heard that voice today, that still small voice, that whisper. Now let me share with you three ways that he's our helper. First, he teaches us. The Holy Spirit teaches us. He teaches you. Listen to what Jesus said. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you means you. Doesn't just mean Billy Graham or some great saint that we know about. It means you, every child of God, you. He will teach you all things. And he's going to bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. i got to read chapter 16. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you, watch this, into all truth. The spirit of truth guides us into truth. He guides us out of deception, and he guides us into truth. He will guide you into all truth. He won't speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will literally show you future things. He will tell you things to come. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. He will tell you things to come. One way the Holy Spirit The Spirit of truth teaches us as he opens up our understanding of the Word of God. You know, I can remember uh, the couple of times I saw a Bible before I was saved, I thought, that has got to be the most boring book in all the world. All of these, thou's, would'st, should'st, could'st. I remember thinking, "What what a boring book. But then I got thrown in juvenile home for sale of narcotics. That's right, me. Go ahead and look at me and say, I can't believe it. But it's true. And there I am in juvenile home, and I heard the gospel for the first time in my life. And I repented. It nailed me. 
It just grabbed me and convicted me. And when he gave the invitation, I was the only one to go forward like this child today. It reminded me of me. Nobody else went but me. There's about a room of 50 of us or so, juvenile delinquents, all. But only I went, and, and I went by the power of the Holy Ghost. I can remember thinking, how did I get down here? How did I get down here? But I can remember, I can remember this man, this, this minister, taking me into another room, a little bitty room, a dingy jailhouse room, and he prayed the prayer of salvation with me. The first prayer I ever prayed in my entire life was the prayer of salvation. And when I prayed that prayer, I remember opening my eyes, and this dingy jail room looked pretty, sparkling, glittery, new, because something had happened in my heart that I didn't fully understand. But it was the Holy Spirit. And I remember, I remember he gave me one of these little good news for modern man. You remember that? That little stripe, little, uh, that little paperback New Testament. And so I said to my, the guard, leading me back to my cell, I was 16, and in a heap of trouble. He's leading me back to my cell, and I said, listen, can you leave the, the lights on so that I can read this? And amazingly, he did. And I remember when I opened up that Bible, that little New Testament, that paperback New Testament, and I began to read about all the things that Jesus said and Jesus did, walking on water, healing the sick, raising the dead. No man speaks like this man. He was unlike any human being that ever set foot on this planet. I read about him, and I could not get enough. I could not get enough of the Word of God. When he finally turned out the lights, I was so disappointed, and that night I prayed a prayer based on what I'd read. And I said, Jesus, if you can do anything with this life of mine that I've so messed up, I give it to you. And I can almost hear him saying, you're not going to believe me, and you wouldn't believe me if I were to tell you right now that you will be back in this juvenile home in two years carrying a Bible to share me with the inmates. Who would have believed that? But see, what the deal was is when I opened up that Bible, it came alive to me, and I did not know that the great teacher of the church had come into my heart. The great teacher of the church is the Holy Spirit of God. And when I opened up that Bible, it came alive to me. It was like popcorn. It just started popping alive to me. The teacher lives in you. I felt like I had discovered a gold mine when I got into the Word of God. I couldn't get enough of it. I could truly have said with David, I rejoice in your word like one who discovers great treasure. It's a treasure. You want to know where a treasure chest is? It's right here. All the treasure in the world is right here. Treasures of wisdom, knowledge, understanding, guidance. This book will keep you from hell. It'll keep you from demons. It'll keep you from addictions. This book... And I remember when I was first called to preach, and my first opportunity came to minister the Word of God. I remember so well. Uh, I got this invitation to go, and I, and I had been asking God to open doors for me, but I remember how I got on my knees in my little bedroom. I was living at that time with my dad and stepmother. I was, I was, uh, I was 18, and I got on my knees, and I said, Jesus, how in the world do you bring a message? I don't know how to bring a message. I was untrained. I was inexperienced. I'd never done it, but the Helper... The helper, the helper 
opened up, I'll never forget, Matthew 13. I turned to Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, and I began to read the parable of the sower, and it began to come alive to me, and it seemed like the Holy Spirit said, teach this, teach this, teach this. And I wrote it down, and I went and taught. I was terrified, believe me, scared to death to stand in front of people, but the helper helped me get the message, helped me get to my destination, helped me stand up in front of them, and help me open my mouth. And when I shared, it might have been broken. I'm sure it was homiletically terrible. But they were blessed. And when I saw the blessing on the people, I walked out of there floating, knowing I had found my purpose. Yeah. Now, I ran the numbers. I just ran some numbers. Just, just I was curious. I got to thinking about it. In 33 years of pastoring alone, not counting the years I preached before I was senior pastoring, which were many, the helper has helped me to deliver at least 1,700 different messages to the people of God. I want you to think about that. I've been to the well over and over and over again. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me, Lord. And every time the helper has helped me, every time he's given me a word and I'm bringing a word right now, he gave to me for you. And I want you to understand the same helper that helps me wants to help you. You. That's a lot of messages. Just start counting to 1,700. I'll talk to you in a few hours. <laughs> and, and, and God has raised up the ministry of teaching in the church. I'm called to teach, preach, declare. That, that's my calling. There, there are people called to teach, and we need teachers. But I want you to read what John said. John said to the people, just, just the normal people out there that are not called to professional ministry, listen to what he said. You have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you. Now listen. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true, for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. Can we make that personal? Say with me, the Spirit teaches me everything I need to know. He goes on and says, and what he teaches is true. It's not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. What I want you to see is the Holy Spirit wants to teach you. When you open up the Bible, the same Spirit that speaks to me through the Bible wants to speak to you as you open up the Bible. He wants to teach you and make it come alive to you. And that's why I'm always and evermore like a broken record encouraging you to get into the Word of God every day because the Helper, the Holy Spirit is there to open the Word of God to you and speak to you. Amen. He wants to teach you. Now, there's a second way the Holy Spirit helps us, and that's to win over sin. He was given to help us, help us to win over sin. The Lord Jesus knew what kind of world that we were in. It wasn't any shock to him. Look what that world did to him. He healed them, blessed them, taught them, never did anything wrong, never broke a law. He was nothing but a blessing going about everywhere, doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And they took him, they lied about him, they slandered him, they beat him, they whipped him, they hung him on a cross. The very people who he had healed one day shouted, crucify him the next. That's what this world did to him. And Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. He knew what kind of world we're in. He knew it. 
He knew it was a world of temptation filled with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He knew it. So he said, I want you to understand I've given the Holy Spirit to help you win over sin. Listen to Romans. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, doing what the flesh tells you to do, yielding to its temptations, feeding it, living according to its dictates, you will die. That means you will die inside. You will not be filled with the Spirit. You will die inside. But then he goes on. But if, everybody say, by the Spirit. By the Spirit, Spirit, you put to death the sinful deeds of the body. You will say it, live. The reason some people never win over sin, they never get the victory over some habit or some vice, Here's why. Because while God is ready to do his part, we don't do our part by yielding the battle over to the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to focus on the last part of that verse. If by the Spirit, that's God's part. I've given you my Spirit. It's living inside of you. He's living inside of you. So that's, I did my part. If by the Spirit, that's God's part, you put to death the deeds of the body, that's your part. We need to understand that when we get attacked, when we get tempted, when we come under the gun and the enemy is really out to to get us, the battle isn't ours. It's the Lord's. And he gave the Holy Spirit for us to say, Holy Spirit, I'm being tempted. I'm in a battle. I turn this over to you. And the mighty Holy Spirit, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. When I, when I, Kathy and I did our first church, we, you know, I've told you we did it in East Texas. We started it in East Texas. Now, in all honesty, I was a city slicker going to the country. I was raised in the concrete jungle, not the forest or the trees. So I was very, very naive and ignorant about country living. And we got a, a house on four acres of land that had nothing but trees. And I had to move some of those trees to put in a driveway. So I thought, well, I'm in the country now. I'm going to be like a, a lumberjack. Lumberjack, Jeff, here I go. And so I went to the store, and I bought the biggest, meanest axe I could find. I said, here I come, tree. Now, you've all seen the cartoon where the cartoon character leans back with an axe, and he swings it into the tree, and he hits it, and, it's, and it starts to vibrate until his whole body is doing this. That's what I experienced. The city slicker in the country. I took that axe and I started wailing at that tree and man, I just felt like I was giving all kinds of energy and getting nowhere. And one of my church members came over and looked at me and kind of nodded his head and he said, Pastor, have you ever thought of a chainsaw? <laughs> and I said, I said, really? A chainsaw? He said, let's go get you a chainsaw. <laughs> so we got a chainsaw. And I remember putting gas in that thing. I remember thinking, wow, this looks bad. This looks mean. And I pulled that rope, and it cranked up. And he said, now, just sort of lay it into the tree. You don't have to do much at all. It'll do it for you. And and the tree came down. Just like that, I became the chainsaw king. I loved using that thing. I cut down trees just because I wanted to use my chainsaw. 
But now watch this. I discovered when I had the chainsaw, it did it all for me. All I had to do was hold it. That's the Holy Ghost. You hear me? That's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Ghost. That's, that's why God gave the Holy Spirit, because some of you, you're using an axe. It's your own will, your own strength, your own willpower, and you're just like this. You're all shook up all the time. Can I encourage you to lean on the Holy Spirit? He'll cut through that tree. He'll cut through that habit. He'll cut through that vice. And he will bring that thing down in your life. Give the Lord praise today. Come on. <laughs> Pretty soon you'll be, you'll be cutting down trees everywhere. When you discover the Holy Spirit, you'll, you'll be setting other people free, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. There's a third way and a last way that I'm going to talk about today. The Holy Spirit helps us. He comforts us in all of our troubles. Now, let me tell you, when the Bible uses the word comfort, it does not mean he comes up behind you and pats you on the back and says, that's okay, it's going to be okay. He doesn't console. I'm not talking about consolation. That's not what the word means. He doesn't just come up and say, I understand, poor baby, it'll be okay. That's not the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible literally calls our God the God of all comfort. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. And read it with me, everybody. The God of all comfort, keep going, who comforts us in how many of our afflictions? All our afflictions. The comfort there, that word, it, it's parakletos again. It's saying he comes up alongside you just like Jesus did. If Jesus were here and you were hurting, he'd be right upside you. He'd be laying his hand on you. He'd be talking to you. He'd be speaking to you. He'd be ministering to you. He'd be standing you back up. He'd be blowing fresh life into your spirit. He would not leave you that way. That's the Holy Spirit. He comes alongside. He speaks. He helps us. Let me tell you the truth today about Christians and non-Christians. Ready? Non-Christians experience pain. So do Christians. Non-Christians get diseases. So do Christians. I heard some of you, not, not me, Pastor Jeff, I confess. Uh, it's my confession. I'm not ever going to get sick. Let me tell you something. Everybody gets something. One day you're going to die, and it's not going to be by something good. He had a really good heart attack and died. That's not the way it's going to be. It's going to be by something negative in the natural, right? And people who tell you, I don't ever get sick because of my confession, let me tell you, those that teach faith that way, they sneak off and get in planes and go to other cities and go to doctors so you won't know. I know they do. I just heard somebody say, ooh, that's sacrilegious. Jeff, you should not say that. It's true. They've been caught. Here's another one. Non-Christians lose loved ones. So do Christians. But let me tell you the difference between a non-Christian and a Christian. Non-Christians don't have the comforter. Seriously, Christians do. I, I have presided over a lot of funerals. I've had the 
misfortune, the, the, well, I should say the difficulty of presiding over some where they were not Christians. And when you preside over the funeral of somebody who was not a Christian and their family's not Christian, I can't tell you the difference between that and a Christian funeral. Because when you preside over a non-Christian funeral, there's wailing, there's gnashing of teeth, there's despair, there's no hope. They don't have the promises of God. They have no understanding of eternity. They can't look to a Savior for comfort. They can't look to a Bible for promises. They can't look to a Holy Spirit who comforts. And when you mix sorrow with hopelessness, it always brings despair. But when sorrow is salted with hope and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it can be endured, it can be navigated through, and it can be conquered. Thank God for the comforter. And the comforter, when we're in the middle of a trial, the comforter gives the peace that cannot be intellectually understood. The peace of God is much greater than the human mind can understand, wrote Paul. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. People will look at you and say, how are you experiencing peace with all that is going on around you? Say, I know one who gave me a comforter, and he is totally supernatural. I can't intellectually tell you how I have peace, but I can tell you I do. I have peace that passes intellectual understanding. It's the comforter. He's the comforter. Paul said, we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. We have hope because of Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I'm going to heaven to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. When somebody on this earth who is a believer dies, it's not a permanent goodbye. It's a temporary goodbye because one day we will see them again. I'm going to tell you a true story, and I'm going to close. This is a true story. Several years ago, a 35-foot sailboat got caught in a terrible storm out in the Atlantic off the coast of North Carolina. The boat captain sent an urgent SOS, and a Coast Guard cutter responded. Here's a 35-foot sailboat in total duress and stress and about to go down. A Coast Guard cutter responded. When the cutter arrived, the wind was so fierce, so strong, and the waves so high, and the storm so vicious that they could not execute a rescue by bringing those in the sailboat over to them or them getting over to the sailboat. So the captain of the cutter made a command, and they pulled the cutter right upside, right alongside the sailboat right where the waves were coming in against the sailboat and the wind was howling and the waves were rolling, smashing against this sailboat. The cutter got right alongside the sailboat where it began to absorb the waves and the wind and the storm and protected the sailboat so that eventually the sailboat was led safely to shore because the cutter was right alongside not allowing the viciousness of the storm to break it apart. That's the Holy Ghost. That's what the Holy Ghost does. That's what the Holy Ghost does. 
and you're going through hell on this earth. You're going through some problem, some difficulty, and you feel like, I'm, I can't bear this anymore. I'm about to break apart. And here comes the cutter. Here comes the Holy Spirit. And he gets right alongside you. And he begins absorbing that ferocity, the ferocity of the storm. He begins to absorb it and take it and takes the heat for you. And you don't know it right now. Some of you going through a great trial, the cutter is right alongside you. The Holy Ghost is right there with you. And he's not going to allow you. Jesus said, he that hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man that built his house on a rock and the rain fell and the wind blew and the floods beat on that house and it did not fall. Why? Because it was founded on the rock of Jesus' teachings and the Holy Ghost. But watch this. He said, then there's those who hear these sayings of mine that they don't do them. They think everything's cool. I don't need Jesus. I don't need these teachings. I'm going to do my own thing, go my own way, live life the way I want. I'm going to do it my way. And then the rain falls. And the winds begin to howl and blow. And a flood bashes up against that house. And Jesus said, it breaks apart and it falls. And he specifically said, great is the sound of the fall. Why? Because it didn't have the cutter standing alongside. Didn't have the word of hope filling their hearts. And they break apart. Which do you want? Can we stand together today? And I want you to just say with me, let's recap it. Say with me, the helper teaches me. He helps me win over sin. And he comforts me in all of my troubles. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to touch us right now. How many of you would love a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit right now? Amen. Are you hungry for God today? Are you hungry for God today? All right, we're going to ask the helper to touch us right now. We're just going to, we're going to sing that simple little chorus that they sang for our special. And Jesus breathed on the disciples, and he said, receive the Spirit. The Spirit really is breathed in. He breathed on them and said, receive. It's God's part to give him. It's our part to receive him. So right now, if you have the, the, the liberty, I want you to raise your hands. And we're going to sing a prayer. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to touch us right now. Can you just breathe in deep right now? Say, Lord, I receive, I receive. I receive the helper. I receive a fresh infilling. I receive strength to win. I receive grace to go on. I receive you in Jesus' name. And Spirit of God, I pray that as every one of these precious people go to their prayer closets this week, shut the door, turn off the iPhone, turn off the iPad, Take the phone off the hook. Turn off the TV. Shut the door on the prayer closet. Go in there alone with the Word of God and you and pray. I pray as they do that that the Spirit of God will breathe gently on them, will fill them, will free them, will revitalize them, rejuvenate them. 
speak to them and comfort them in the mighty name of Jesus.